Hello and welcome to another episode of The Messed Up Gardener. My name is Esther Aiken and I'm your host for today and I'm absolutely buzzed to be here. Apologies if you hear some background noise, for example cars and things. I couldn't find my normal quiet spot to record this weekend because it's still school, well, school holidays and Christmas holidays. Lots of people still in the neighbourhood. So if you hear some noise, Again, I apologize. But what I really need to apologize for is for not having presented a podcast for the last three weeks. The Christmas rush with both my day job and the family events just basically got on top of me and I had to prioritize. And unfortunately, because I spent a lot of time writing these episodes, the podcast suffered. So we're back and fully, you know, committed to presenting another range of amazing topics over the year. I hope everybody had a great break. I know I certainly did and I must admit I'm not really looking forward to going back to my day job because it has been such an awesome few weeks and because the last few weeks have been so full of family events including a big family Christmas day meant I had a lot of people traversing through my gardens and some had some really lovely comments and some not so lovely but especially for those who do not practice sustainable gardening they just couldn't understand why I was leaving a number of plants to go to seed which would you know once the plants started to mature look really miserable of course they look miserable they're going to seed and then they start dying while the seeds are obviously drying out getting ready to drop off the plant so in particular my perpetual spinach that I had growing all over the driveway I ended up cutting a heap of the seed heads off and green composting the rest I'm really hoping that they are mature enough for the drying you know while they're drying and storing them and then obviously the germination aspect when getting them ready to on grow They are one of my main crops and I hate not having any on the go. I'm also missing my silverbeet crop which is normally what I use when my perpetual spinach is lacking but this past year my patch was dug up when I had that nasty water leak. On a more positive note though regarding the water leak, the area, the soil has gone absolutely bonkers with swan plant seedlings. Now if that's not a win, I don't know what is. I already have a heap of big fat caterpillars munching away at them and I counted at least seven chrysalises already on the fence this morning so I'm really looking forward to seeing them turn. I think I would have to include swan plants as a favourite in my garden. I know I've said for years I grow them for my daughter who is now 12 going on 25 but to be honest I think it's more for my pleasure. My my partner sorry who's also a beekeeper is going to be planting a number of the swan plant seedlings along his kiwi fruit orchard near the orchard hives not for the flowers but for the caterpillars wasps that would normally try to rob out a hive for its protein instead go after the monarch butterfly caterpillars and eat them yeah i know it's not all that yummy sounding and it sounds quite cruel but it is a way to manage the hive damage wasps are absolutely ferocious when it comes to bees and they absolutely destroy beehives so a few monarch caterpillars compared to entire hives i know i'm 
quite happily to you know sacrifice a few caterpillars especially because they make such a, a tasty treat for the wasps um but as wonderful as hive care is it's not the topic i wish to talk about today in this week's podcast instead i want to talk about plants in the garden that can be used for arts and crafts so what brought this around was my step-grandchild was running around the garden harvesting strawberries and asking about the flowers that were in full bloom. She was asking to collect some for pressings to create bookmarks. So at this time, I only had a few viol- violas that may have been sufficient, but it did lead me into what I would you know, look at planting instead if I had the space. So after a fair bit of debating... These are the plants I came up with that fit the arts and crafts brief. The first has to be the straw flower. I remember growing these as kids. The foliage was rather unassuming, but the flowers looked like they had been drying for years. The flowers are very popular and are also known as everlasting daisies, which have a papery textured kind of double blooms with rosebud centers, and they do come in a massive range of bright colors. Because the straw flower returns, you know, sort of retains its color and its shape for such a long period of time, it is considered a symbol of immortality. And it is also representative of some or, you know, someone or something that is always remembered. The straw flower is thought to have originated in Australia, which I thought was quite surprising, and it has a vase life of seven to ten days. However, the trick to using them for crafts is to harvest them when the flowers have one to two layers of petals open, and you can cut the, well, it pays to cut the stems as low as possible so that after you have stripped all the leaves, off the stems you can hang them either on their own or in bunches upside down in a cool and dark room where they can continue to dry. It only takes a few weeks before they feel crispy and that's when they're ready to be used for your chosen craft or art projects. So now that I've so you know clearly highlighted its attributes let's have a chat about the things you can do with these straw flowers firstly they are an exciting flower to grow with the kits as they will grow at a time of year when very little else is producing color and they can actually handle a few light frosts and especially sort of in the autumn best part is they prefer poor soil so basically you can grow them anywhere as a side note the straw flower is thought to have some medicinal purposes uh, properties and is considered an anti-inflammatory antimicrobial antispasmodic you know it's and it has a number of other amazing properties again be mindful i'm not a medical practitioner and as always seek medical professional advice before using something my daughter used to do also get a kick out of and that is that the straw flower itself will shut at night, which is fairly common in a number of flower species, but they also close their flowers when it's raining, which is really cool to watch, and it preserves that whole flower structure, basically. But I have gotten off track again, and I (laughs) apologise. The straw flower is a fantastic flower for floral art and is very commonly used in dry floral arrangements, but it is also used in potpourri. So potpourri is very easy to make from scratch at home with the kids and you can choose your own scents to add 
to it. I've seen some amazing epoxy resin art lately where the straw flowers have been incorporated into the tabletop with the clear resin poured over the top and sanded back to leave a see-through finish. Now these make super cool tabletops. The flowers, the colours, it's they're just, I, I, there's no way I can truly describe, you know, what this looked like. Uh, something I've done with my daughter is include the straw flower into wreaths as well. Uh, but from experience, don't wait until the stems are fully dried as they lose their pliability and it can get rather messy with their little heads popped off. Tell you what, invest, a, some, invest in some seriously good super glue and the child will never know anyway something I remember from my own childhood is making the flower pressings and it is incredible how often I've come across some pansies or a few sprigs of lavenders in an old book and the straw flowers work especially well as the flower pressings it really doesn't take much a few flower heads and some tissues layered under and over the top of the flowers with a brick or two on top because of the flower texture, they dry really quickly. We used to place the flowers onto cardboard backings cut to the perfect bookmark size and then laminated them and then obviously give them away as gifts. But it pays to wait until you have clearly already pressed the flowers and removed all the moisture out of it before you start laminating them. I've done that too and it got pretty ugly, pretty bad, especially when it was quite squidgy and rotty and obviously bacterially I must have had some ear pockets in there or something for them to go off. So definitely make sure they're nice and dry before you start laminating any flower pressings. Another crafty idea is to use the straw flower in soap creation. The petals mixed in with, say, a sandy base makes for a fantastic gardener's soap. And because of the texture of the flower itself, you can pretty much use it as a scrubbing soap. It's very, very, you know, versatile. As you can see, there are a number of exciting ways to use the straw flower for arts and crafts. Now, another classic flower to grow for arts and crafts is obviously, you know, I've mentioned it before, the lavender. In most cases, you can basically use most lavender cultivars for drying, pressings, and floral arrangements. But to be honest, nothing quite beats the dentata, especially for potpourri, as it has one of the highest concentrations of oil. I absolutely love having bunches of dry lavender in the wardrobes. They are easy to grow and they also do well in pots, which means that they can basically be grown anywhere and there is no excuse but to not give it a try. But if you're looking for the ultimate arts and crafts plant, I would like to introduce you to the Forium tenex, which is the New Zealand native flax plant. In general, any type of flaxes will work, but I absolutely love the New Zealand flax because the leaves are nice and long. Its uses, you know, its uses for arts and crafts are pretty much limitless, and with it being, well, used to weave all sorts of items from bags to baskets to hats. But also, if the leaves are shredded down, they make a fantastic binding material. If shredded and plait it it makes a seriously strong natural rope there is a fair bit of information available on youtube showcasing traditional maori weaving techniques 
I have seen some incredible flax mats and have over the years been presented with a range of gifts in hand-created gift flax woven bags. So now just be aware that you can't just grab any old flax plants, you know, off the side of the road. It's basically you have to honour its traditional uses but as a bonus it does also attract bird and insect life into your gardens. The flax pollen is also one of the most bee nutritious pollen available to the New Zealand bee population so well worth planting in your garden if you have space. Now I'm very aware that this episode is going to be a bit of a shorty one. I wasn't 100% sure how much noise I was going to have around so I try to keep it a little bit uh, concise. Now of course there's lots of different plants out there that you can use for arts and crafts. Uh, there's a number of obviously specialist plants like calendulas that you can use for the flowers for oils and things like that so you're making your own lotions and potions and it's absolutely one of my favorites for when you're creating baby butt cream which is super super efficient in keeping your baby's skin nice and moist so that's one to if you can grow it in your garden pretty much all year round and definitely use the flower petals so one way to use that to create a really nice oil blend and that is to just infuse Use the petals in with your olive oil. You can use dried calendula leaf, uh, flowers <clears throat> petals for that, which is always super, super handy to have around. And they grow in almost any situation. Now, again, there's so many different types of arts and crafts potential. There's the ferns, the New Zealand ferns, which are quite a hard frond and you can use them you know when you're doing sketches using sketch papers I've had that I've done that with my daughter where we got some um, what do you call it lunch paper wrap and we used it over the top of the plant the leaf itself and then used the pencils to basically shade over the paper and it etched in the patterns of the ferns which made some seriously cool art work again then there's things like your potatoes you can use potatoes cut out the shapes in the potato itself and use ink and, and there you've got your potato stamps which are super cool that was another uh, thing I used to do with my daughter I had some really lovely Indian inks which we used to use and basically we cut the potatoes in half then we cut out the shapes that we wanted to use as stamps don't cut into the potato <laughs> but cut leave the shape you want but cut the rest around the shape out and then that's your stamp and they were super easy super cool and then obviously you've got a number of your different leaf materials in the garden that you can use for exactly that for shading Things, but you can also use a number of leaves as pressings too so you don't always just have to use flowers for your crafts and arts and that sort of stuff. Now I also used to have a really lovely indigo uh, purple, I'm pretty sure that's indigo, uh, iris which was super amazing and I used to use the flower itself and basically that became, I crushed it up and used the flowers as a dye 
and uh, that worked incredibly well when I was looking for a natural colour out of the garden for my daughter to paint with and in a pinch it worked out beautifully so it's not all about just having dried flowers for your pressings and things there are or flax for weavings or for sketching and things like that there are plants that you can grow in your garden that creates the materials you know like paints for example for your arts and crafts as well now I'm I know there's lots and lots out there but at the moment this is uh, ju- these are just three of my favorites and uh, the ones I've always had a bit of a, a go-to if I want to do something crafty in the garden obviously there's you know conifers and things that you can grow to which make some really really long uh, hardy leaf material that can be used for wreaths and things like that and again, it just depends on the type of arts and crafts you wish to do because obviously <laughs> you can always use sticks and things for arts and crafts. So lots of, lots of material. But basically a garden is an endless source of materials for arts and crafts and it just pays to have a bit of an open mind. As long as you dry the material properly, then pretty much anything can be deemed creatively art usable friendly crafty friendly uh, obviously as long as it's not toxic <laughs> again just a FYI I've got some fig, fig plants out here that I certainly wouldn't be harvesting for anything uh, other than the figs because the sap in it is quite toxic for uh, if you've got sensitive skin and if you're prone to you know if you're allergic to f- uh, fig trees so not something I would be using in a hurry for my arts and crafts, even though they're beautiful, large, sort of palm-sized leaves, which actually make amazing rubs on paper. Anyway, um, I know it wasn't a lot to go on, but I do hope that this particular episode on arts and crafts was helpful. If you've got any gardening questions, please do reach out. I'm going to keep compiling a list every now and again. I'll do an episode on a bunch of combined questions. I might start my quicker messes again if I've got enough uh, questions coming in. Every week I mention this and don't be shy. Let me know if you're needing some private coaching. No matter what level from beginner to experience, reach out and let's chat. I have a few one-on-one gardening mentoring spots available sometimes. It really is easier to accomplish a task or a project having a gardening mentor and quietly holding you accountable to whatever tasks you set. Flick me a DM or email me and let's check to see how we can work together. My contact details are always in the show notes. Don't forget to email or DM me for any one of my gardening freebies. And as always, I say gardening can happen in any space and in any place and on any budget. Have an incredibly abundant week and I'll buzz you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I would love to hear about your gardening adventures. Flick me a DM on Instagram at The Messed Up Gardener or send me an email and let's connect. Don't forget to check out my gardening reels on TikTok. If you are looking for some help planning your next garden project or just need some one-on-one private coaching, reach out and let's get growing. If you have a garden-related business or you're looking at starting a gardening business, including arboriculture, land clearing, firewood or a general plant growing and selling business, 
Let's work together in my one-on-one private business development coaching container, having helped my clients grow several six-figure plus businesses, including from startup to working on million-dollar open space management contracts for many years now. Let me help you and let's grow your business so you can leapfrog your profits and establish a viable and sustainable business. If you're looking for a business podcast, check out my The Let's Biz You Up podcast available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If this episode was at all helpful, please share with others and let's get growing in any space, in any place and on any budget. Till next time, happy gardening and buzz you later.